0: Welcome to the Next Level Business Podcast, for entrepreneurs who are looking to take their business and wealth to the next level. right, guys, we're live. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yo, yo. This is Josh here and Shane for your weekly training, Next Level Mastermind. So today we're going to be talking about, uh, Shane wants to talk about Monopoly. Yeah. Why it was important to play whenever you were younger.
1: Man, it's important to play it now.
0: So what, okay. What you got for us today then?
1: You you ready to hear about
0: Monopoly? All (laughs) right, so. This is my favorite game. I I love, I grew up playing that game. No one would play it with me because it would always be a fight.
1: Man, we played as a family here recently, my wife and I are both pretty uh, stubborn. And so we got to fight because nobody would trade properties with
2: us. (laughs) Yeah, We're like, all
1: right, we can't play Monopoly anymore. It's too dangerous.
0: Yeah. It's bad for my family too, actually.
1: So we we had to shut it down, Uh but the premise is exactly what we need to know as individuals in the, in the marketplace. And how do we build wealth? The premise of that game is absolutely spot on. And everybody knows the premise, right? The premise is, you know, to bankrupt all your opponents, but how do you do that? Right. You get houses and you don't just get one house, but you get a hotel, right? Yeah. So in the game of Monopoly, what you do, I brought, I brought the props. i got my Monopoly game board here.
0: So is that the digital one or it still has the cash?
1: That is still has the cash.
0: Okay. Cause you still can't. One the digital one, baby.
1: <laughs> all right. So in the game of Monopoly, right. The, uh, see if we can see this right here you get one house that's first that's your first go right to get one house yeah that's good right you're off to a good start but do you win the game of monopoly with one house no Nah. you don't win the game same way in real life dude if you get one rental property you do not win the game of real life either right it's a nice start but you don't really build any wealth with one okay So, Monopoly, you get a second one, right? Then you get a third. Then you get four. And in the game of Monopoly, after you get four, what happens? You buy one more, what do you get?
0: Hotel, California. Hotel,
1: man. But really, you know, you get that shiny little hotel, and that's what everybody loves in the game of Monopoly. Really, what that is, though, that's only five houses. In in the real life world, that's five houses. Yeah. And so… How do you win the game of real life monopoly? You got to get multiples of 5s and 10s and 15s and 20s preferably. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you get all of those paid off like in the game of monopoly, you got to prepay for all your houses, right? They don't let you leverage in the game of monopoly. You got to have physically have the cash before you can buy the house. And right. you got to pay it outright. Well, right. in our world, the bank only is asking for 20% down. And then you get the house. So we can leverage in the game of life where you cannot leverage in the game of monopoly, but the game of real life is all about getting fives, tens, fifteens, and twenties multiples of fives and tens, just like in the game of monopoly. Right. If you have, if you have three properties in monopoly, let's say you've got the yellow properties, right? There's three of them. You got to get 15 houses, but if you get a monopoly on that, you're going to win the game. You're going to take some fools out, right?
0: Get the What's that? You got the whole street?
1: You got the whole street. Yeah. Now if you get Boardwalk and park place and the guy has a he has the monopoly on the yellows, now we got a little bit of a, a dogfight on our hands. And the question is who's gonna hit who's gonna hit one of those houses first is probably the ones that's gonna go out of business. But the game of life is we get fives and tens and fifteens and twenties in real houses, we get them paid off, and then we get this revenue stream forever. That's the goal. The goal of what we're trying to do. Is we're trying to get a revenue stream forever, right? And to right. me, there's three asset classes you got stocks and bonds, you've got business, and you've got real estate. And let
0: me write that down. There's problems with the, all three. That, that's all that you trust in, or is that all that's easily available for everybody?
1: Th- that's the three that are easily available for everybody.
0: All right, stocks and bonds.
1: Docks and bonds, that's one. Business is two, and real estate is three. Now, what the the, the best one probably of all three is probably real estate. And what makes that so good is it is passive, right? That's what we all want. Business is the opposite of passive. Business is hard work, right? You got to go to work every day. You got to show up. You got to work 40 hours a week. And you got stress, and you got a lot of stress, and then you get something like COVID that comes to destroy your business, and all of a sudden you're out of business, right? Like that fast. So not only is business tough, you got to get a COVID-friendly business, and those aren't easy to find now. So, but business is the opposite of passive; it is is the grind. It is the day in and day out grind. And if you reach a certain level, maybe business starts to become passive. But business by the very nature of owning a business is not passive. Real estate is passive. Now, the problem with stocks and bonds is you can't leverage it. All the money that you have in the stock market is the money that you put in 100%. It's like buying a house outright in cash. That's what buying stocks and bonds is like. And there's a flaw there. The the fatal flaw of stocks and bonds to me is you can't control your own destiny, right? With, with a house, I can control my destiny, right? I can mm-hmm. fix it up. I can keep it nice. I can buy it in a, in a, in a decent neighborhood. I can watch it. Appreciate all these good things can happen. And in the stock market, everything is completely out of your control. And that's, so that's the let, me thing at,
0: that, let me ask that you, I
1: struggle thing. with on the stock market side.
0: So if you have, a uh, hundred grand in securities. The bank won't let you leverage that.
1: No, they will not.
0: So why do they always ask that in the um, in the application? Like if you're applying for anything, they always ask that.
1: Well, I got I got to take that back. They will let you leverage it, but how many? Forty percent. Forty. About so forty. I'm sorry. Maybe forty. At the top, fifty.
0: So, if I got 100 grand, they'll give me a 50, a 50 grand line of credit in best case scenario.
1: Best case scenario. Okay. And they're, they're always going to be watching the value of your stock. If you pick the wrong stock and it goes down in value, they're going to maybe half your line of credit.
0: All right. So, we're just going to clear up the dust real quick because Shane is talking about buying and holding stock. I mean, buying and selling stock based on price. The stocks that I invest in is for dividends only, and it's a, s- a small percentage of the portfolio.
2: Yeah. And I'm the well-balanced,
0: right. A well-balanced asset class that people should have is the three things you talked about. So should, should it be 33, 33, 33? Is that, would you consider that safe?
1: As far as business, real estate, and stocks? Yeah. You know, to me, Everything depends, and I don't have a problem with that. It, it well, the, to me, the best thing to do in the stock market is to uh, pick long-term trends. You know, like you don't want to buy the stocks when the Dow is at twenty-eight thousand, right? That's at an all-time high. You yes. got to be very careful going into that market at an all-time yeah. high.
2: Yeah, but
1: when you see it go from 28,000 down to 18,500 like we saw with covid when it first came out you know it did that in a handful of weeks right now you want to be a buyer at 185 right you know that's when you're going to make the line share of your money now you cannot predict the tops and you cannot predict the bottoms right if if you could everybody would be instant millionaires it's like predicting who's going to win the super bowl if you knew who was going to win that game you'd be you'd, you'd put a million dollars on it you'd come out on top every time but you don't you can't predict the future so for me i like selling on the way up and i like buying on the way down right if you're going to do that so as it was dropping from 28 down to 18.5 you kind of want to be a buyer now you, you don't want to go in guns a blazing and put all your money in but you want to you want to dip <laughs> your toes in at these
2: guns levels confusing. on the way down I like And done. vice versa,
1: as the stock market was climbing, 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 you want to be a seller on the way up. Yeah. Now you don't want to sell everything because what if it goes to thirty six thousand? Right? Yeah. You're gonna miss a big run. So I'm I'm a fan of uh dollar cost averaging, averaging in and averaging out. I think yeah. that is the way to play that thing, yeah, on the stock side.
0: All right, let's get back to the real estate. So
1: all right, so on oh, yeah. the real estate side. I'm going to I'm going to give a scenario. I had I had a guy that banked with me when I was in the banking world and he was the perfect prime example. He was a police officer and he made you know, I don't know what he made, but I'm guessing he made about 70 to 80 thousand dollars. And he had he had this beautiful thing called a pension and he was going to get paid when he retired till the day that he died. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I had this, I had this older lady that banked with me, and she had a million dollars of cash, bro. I'm not kidding. She had a million in cash, and she did not know what to do with it, and she trusted nobody and nothing.
0: What type of account was it in? Just a checking, savings, or CD? CD.
1: Yes, and she would call all over town trying to get the best rates on her CD, and rates were terrible. One percent. The most we gave her at the time, I think, was two. And she'd been with us for a while, but I mean, she was, a, she was cold-blooded, man. She'd drop us like that, man.
0: So how, how would she drop? Uh, how long was the CD for?
1: Well, however long she wanted. A year, six months. You get to oh, choose the just,
0: duration of your CD. You, she would, after that term, she would just take the money and go to another bank?
1: That's right. If she that didn't like our for, rate, yeah, and she pipped it out all over town, man, and she got a better rate, she was gone. She's gone. And uh, so anyway, we'd always try to fight to get her business, to get the money to stay there. But it was a pain. But at the same time, if you think about who would you rather be? So the police officer, he had no money. All he had was this pension, but he was going to get it till the day that he died. And then you had this lady that had a million dollars in the bank, but she was too fearful to do anything with it. And she was making a grand total of, you know, about 20,000 a year. Yeah all things being equal in that scenario, who would you rather be the cop who had nothing or would you rather be the lady who had a million dollars, uh-huh. but didn't know what to do with it. And she was scraping by on 20 grand a year. You know, I've, I've asked that question, you know, to a lot of people throughout the years, who would you rather be? And everybody says, I'd rather be a police officer. And Good. I would too. And the reason you want to be him is because you have this guaranteed, income stream. Oh, we're rate. talking about the pension or the pension.
0: Yes. The pension. But doesn't it? like is I'm pensioned at risk now?
1: Yeah, and and I'm not saying we want to get a pension. What I'm saying is we want recurring cash flow. <laughs> we
0: want to buy a pension now. <laughs> and
1: so that, that's where we come back to the game of Monopoly. Yeah. Because this little jewel right here, if we do it in 5s and 10s and 15s and 20s, it will give us a recurring revenue stream of money and that's what we're really after and that's that the beauty of it is you got to get the houses paid off right so what happens is the bank will give you a loan for 80 percent of whatever the dollar amount is so i'm just going to use 100 grand because it's easy math now houses have gone up in price where we are where you can't really find a hundred thousand dollar house anymore but i'm just using that for easy math so they will want 20000 down, and they will finance a note for 80000 over five years. I'm sorry, 20 years. They'll give you a 20-year loan on that. But your job is to get 20 of those. If you get 20 houses paid off, then they will bring you in money of, let's just say the rent was $1,000 a month, just for easy math again. You would have rental income of twenty grand a month on those twenty houses, and you would uh, you'd have to pay your taxes, your insurance, your maintenance, and you have to pay taxes because you're making a pretty good living there. But you should clear on that scenario about twelve thousand a month, and you will make it recurring. You don't really have to work for this twelve grand a month, and that's the beauty of it, and that's what we're trying to do. And that's why we're talking about the game of Monopoly. That's how we want to play the game of Monopoly in real life. We want to get houses in multiples of fives and tens, and we want to get them paid off. And we have that pretty little recurring revenue stream where we don't worry about money again forever.
0: How many How many loans will the bank give at the same time for properties?
1: Depends on how strong you are. But how flush? How flush? If you're flush, they'll let you have a hundred of them.
0: Okay, so let's use that, that lady with a million cash in the bank. They'll give it 10 million.
1: Um, They would probably let her go to probably about
0: five mil. So they'll lend out five mil on that one. Mil.
1: Yeah. No, they would take, if they give her five mil, 20% of that is a million. So she'll yeah. have no money in the bank. She'll have, uh, she'll have bought $5 million worth of houses. She's going to put a million down. So she's going to finance four, right? She's going to finance 4 million, but, you know, if you're if you're buying these right you're gonna start buying these houses at a 20 to 25 percent discount that's the goal anyway so you know those houses might be worth six million she bought them for five she puts a million down and she owes four million on that now but again you got to get them paid off right so in her instance she's older right so she might want to buy 10 houses in cash mm-hmm and if she bought 10 houses in cash and they brought, you know, 10,000 a month minus all the, all the taxes and insurance that go with it, she might clear 6,000 a month in that scenario, but she would have no debt. Right. And instead of making 20 grand a year, she'd potentially be making, you know, 72,000 a year.
0: But would you, would you, would you do that though? You had I'm a million sure. in cash, you bought 10, was it 10? Yeah, I,
1: if if I was her, I would not buy ten of them in cash. <laughs> I would probably buy maybe twenty of them. Yeah. And maybe put fifty percent down on each one.
0: Jenna says what's that noise? So what's that noise, Shane?
1: Uh I think it was my dog scratching. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jenna.
0: <laughs> oh, that was cool. You can put the question on the screen.
1: That is cool.
0: All right. Um, All right. So you so you got a million cash. You wouldn't you wouldn't go buy 10 houses. How many houses would you buy if you had that cash?
1: Maybe 20 in that scenario.
0: So you would buy like lower quality houses, but go for quantity.
1: Yeah. And you got to run the models because uh, you can't buy them too beat up. If you buy them like one of the mistakes I have made is I bought rental properties in the roughest parts of town. I bought properties in a small town. It had about 120,000 people in this town. Now, how did you,
0: find- you find this? Oh, your sister?
1: My sister lived there. She got me into it. And she so, said, hey, there's a
0: good deal and blah, 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 blah. Yeah,
1: she was going to property manage and she did. And I bought houses there. And there there were two houses on one track of land, which sounded like a great deal, right? Because everybody wants a duplex. Right. Because you can rent one out and pay the note. And when you get the second one rented out, you know, you don't, you're, you're making all income. This was even better. It was two single family houses on one track, but it was in the roughest part of town and everything was fine while she was managing them, but I'm long distance. I couldn't manage them. And when she left me, man, they went to the toilet and the tenants
0: destroyed them over a period of about five years. Looking back on it now, what could you have done different to prevent that? Outside of not doing the deal, but just saying your sister left. What would you have done differently to?
1: I should have sold them immediately when she left. So you can't uh, buy in areas where nobody can get a loan. And that's the secret that I learned on that. Right. So Dallas and Fort Worth, they have some some very rough parts of town. And the people that live in those areas cannot get qualified for loans. Right.
0: Just because of where the location of the property is.
1: No, just because they don't have the wherewithal to get a loan, their credit's too poor okay, okay, okay. they don't have income, okay. they cannot qualify for location okay, okay.
0: so banks can't discriminate on location right
1: yeah, but those people still got to have money
0: right, right They can't
1: right. discriminate if you don't make any money right, right. <laughs> so <laughs> it, in that scenario, the only people that can buy these homes are investors right so if you think about this dynamic, we had some properties in the in the roughest parts of uh of Fort Worth and Dallas. And made a mistake there too because we were doing well as long as the investors were there buying. But when the market got tough, the investors pulled out of town, and we were left with no buyers whatsoever. Mm. And so our properties didn't lose twenty percent of their value; they didn't lose forty percent of their value, which we could have stomached that. We could have stomached a fifty percent haircut. They lost eighty to ninety percent of their value in the span of a few months when the investors. This is what oh nine. This was 08, yep, 07, 08, 09. And so that's where you've got to be really careful. So my advice on that is you don't want to buy in the absolute roughest parts of town. Yeah. You want to buy the next level up. You can't buy rental properties in too expensive of areas, but you've got to buy them in areas where people can get financing.
0: Have you heard of that? Have you heard of anyone buying like, you know, three, four, five hundred thousand $500,000 houses and renting them out and, and making it work?
1: Only the rich people can get away with that because you're not making any money on those houses.
0: Okay. It's just you're doing it to like to write offs and stuff like that. Right. Like yeah. And people, people
1: in that, you know, like doctors and stuff like yeah. that, you know, they're not seasoned investors. A lot of them, some of them are, but some of them aren't. Those would be the people that would do that. And th- their mindset is, man, I want a good tenant that can, that can pay that money. But the problem is even in that area, who wants to rent a house for five hundred thousand? They're going to buy their own house, right? So, but you can't make a good rental rate on that. So I've got a formula that that factors in what your rental income is versus what you have your into the property.
0: You mean this? You you can't make a profit as well. You can make the at least the the monthly payment, but you won't Maybe. make a profit, right? Maybe, but. Yeah. But depending on how much you put down it too. Yeah,
1: depending on how much you put down. If you if you yeah. pay cash for it, yeah, you're gonna still make money. Right. But you're not gonna have a good rate of return. It's gonna be terrible. So the, there's there, there's a the lower end area that has the best profit margins.
0: What, yeah. what do you mean lower end? Like what's lower end? Like like suburbs or
1: what? Yeah, like I uh, can define
0: lower end. Single-family homes.
1: Single-family homes, like you know, before the market rose up, you know, places there there were parts of Garland yes. where you could buy houses for fifty thousand dollars.
0: Could you? Parts, yes. Parts Not that area or those areas.
1: In Watauga, Halton City, all these places you could buy houses all day at fifty thousand dollars. Well, now that same fifty thousand dollar house is one seventy five. Yeah, it's it's crazy, dude. So if you had if you had ten houses in that area and you bought them for fifty grand look how much money you made when they went up to one hundred and fifty. you know, you made a hundred grand on each house. You made a million dollars just in profit.
2: Right.
1: But your rent skyrocketed, you know, where you used to get maybe 800. Now you get 1500 for those houses. Right. So uh, the, the, the beauty though is getting multiples of fives and tens, getting them paid off and where you can make eight to 12,000 a month and have this pretty little pension, let's say, that rides you out forever because the game of real estate of the three asset classes, real estate's the only one that's passive.
0: I I mean, you still got to put, put up with stuff. Dividend paying stocks is passive. You you can get property managers. Like when you get big enough, when
1: you get 10 to 20 houses, you're probably going to have a property manager.
0: So that, uh, that condo that I have in Dallas. Yes. Someone reached out to me today. Um, and they wanna they wanna long term lease it, and then they're gonna they they will then turn around furnish the place and then do uh and then list it on Airbnb and they, so they basically guarantee me you know they said thirty to sixty months uh they want to rent the place uh from me and they'll obviously pay me a reduced rate, but you know I've got steady cash flow coming in. What do you think about that?
1: What's the reduced rate?
0: They're doing a market analysis right now and they're gonna come back uh at me with that. I don't know what it is.
1: R- tell me what you've got in the property. What's your cost basis on it?
0: I mean, I own it outright. I'm all right. But
1: w- what would you pay for
0: it? I paid 73
1: for it. Okay, so you paid 73. Yeah. All right. So this is the easy number that I was that I was gonna that I was gonna talk about. So whatever you pay for it, now you gotta include any rehab, right? So in your yeah. case, I don't think you had any rehab, right? Exactly. You saw what as is. Okay, yeah. so you have 73 in that. Yeah. So uh most rental properties they have this 1% rule where it should rent for at least 1% of what you paid for it. So in that scenario there you'd at least want to rent that for 730 a month. Yeah. But now you still have taxes, you still have insurance, you still have maintenance. You have they have those things on top of it, but uh but a 1%, if that's all you get, that's not really good. Yeah, what you what you want to make, and the number I've always used is one point two five. Yeah. So if you take seven hundred and thirty bucks, and I don't necessarily have a calculator in front of me, but if you take seven hundred and thirty multiplied by one point two five, whatever that comes out to be, it's probably about nine hundred and change. Okay. That's a decent rental property.
0: Nine hundred and twelve. Yeah.
1: There you go. So if you get nine twelve. That's a really good rental property. Yeah. You're at 1.25% of your cost basis. And that's that's every month you get that. Right. You multiply that by 12, it's like 14, 15% on what you make. Now you got to back out all your costs and fees or whatnot, but you're still in good shape on that. So any rental property that I would buy, I would want to make 1.25% in rent on my cost
0: basis. So hindsight now, basically, after the deal is done and all that, um, it's been sitting vacant, and it's better to uh, have somebody rent it from me. Like, I mean, uh, do this. So if they offer me, like, let's say 700 for for 60 months, and I, I, do, I don't have to do anything. They're maintaining it. They're cleaning it. They're furnishing it. They're improving it because uh, they are putting like, a sound uh, alarm system, cameras, uh, thermostat, all that stuff. I mean, that sounds like a good deal.
1: What were you making before when you had it rented?
0: I, I've only – I've had it for, uh, um, I think, nine months now. And I've only been able to rent it for, like, two months. I don't what know why I'm having making,
1: What were you making when you rented it? Uh,
0: 900
1: Okay, so you were at that $1.25. Yeah. Now, would you say that you rented it to the wrong people? Yeah. Did, did, did you do enough due diligence on the people?
0: No, it was an employee that was renting it, and then he's no longer with me anymore.
1: Did, did you run a credit report on them? No, I didn't. Okay. Yeah. Like like I, I do believe that if you ran certain qualifications on them, like get their credit report and uh get them to give you employment verification and maybe a tax return so you yeah. can actually see that they're gainfully employed right i think you probably would have had a better outcome right but the number that you're looking at if you want if you just want no headache and you trust these guys yeah you can take that reduced figure
0: yeah i don't want any headache man who wants a headache for 200 bucks it's not worth it <laughs>
1: Yeah. And you, that, that may be a good, hopefully you'll get more than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's there. What are you going to do? You know? Yeah. I just turn it into cash, play money.
1: Yeah. So, you know, one of the things for like you, like if you don't want headache is if you partnered with somebody, right. And they did all the heavy lifting. Yeah. They had all the headaches and you helped put up the money, but they were a true, let's say seasoned investor. Uh, that's another strategy where you partner with somebody who's going to take on all the hay. So yes. You might be the guy that, that signs the note at the bank right. and they do all the heavy lifting. Right. And in that scenario there, you don't have to keep this stuff forever. Right? Like that house you bought at 73, if you keep that five years and it's worth 105, look at all the money you made. So in addition to making the monthly income, you had a huge appreciation.
0: Yeah, right? they're, they're building a, like a billion dollar property across the street from this place. Yeah. So...
1: And that happens, man, any, you can look back at any 15 year period you're going to see those same kind of figures, you know, where property just goes up in value. Even if you bought it at the peak
2: right. and the
1: market went down, if you keep it for 15 years, you're going to see it go back up to generally where it's above where you
0: bought it. So, so get out. <laughs> what's that? Get out when it gets up.
1: You, you could do that. What, yeah. what I like to do is uh, trade out on a few of these properties to buy more.
2: Right.
1: So I'm a big fan of, you know, the first one that you keep for five years, obviously you're going to have the most equity in that one. And some people don't want to sell those, but what you need to do is you need to sell that first one, even though you're married to it and it sounds like a great rental property, you're going to have huge equity in that first one. Right. You know, you might have 50, 60, 70,000 of equity in that first one. Take that money and go buy three of them to take its place. Yeah. So now you're trading one for three. Right. Because in order to get to twenty. You're gonna to have to have deep pockets to get there. Or you can trade your way to 20. Right. And I like that strategy. So that that's a that's a zoom call for another day, bro.
2: Yeah. We're
1: talking about how do you get to 20 on limited budget.
2: Right, right. Okay.
0: Uh I think that that's good, good info for today.
1: Playing Monopoly in real life, man.
0: And- why why the fives though? Why the fives? Oh, because of Monopoly.
1: Well, not just because of Monopoly, just because if you get one or two, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. You're going to add net worth because you're going to get them paid off. Let's say, you know, you get a bank loan, you get them paid off. It'll be nice, but it's not going to get you to where you have this nice, steady, huge amount of income stream. For me, that number is 20. Yeah. If you get to 20, you get them all paid off. You fight like hell to get them all paid off. You're going to have a great life. In your, in your 50s, 60s, and 70s.
2: Yeah.
1: You're not going to have to work. I met a guy just the other day. Same thing. He's been buying properties for 20 years, and he's got like 20000 coming a month from revenue stream of these houses. It's very doable. It's yeah. very, very doable. But just like everything that we're doing on the Mastermind uh, podcast and show that we're doing, it's all about mindset, right? Yeah. Everything is mindset. you got to wrap your head around it first, right? That's planting the seed. And then you got to get that seed watered and that's what we're doing. Even having this meeting tonight, we're talking about planting the seed. Then we're talking about watering the seed. So it's mindset. Yeah. Mindset's everything.
2: Okay.
0: Well, I think that was good information. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Monopoly. It did me good. It did me good. Learning that my favorite game. Yeah. That one has boardwalk on it.
1: That one does have boardwalk.
0: Yeah. We need to play, man. We need to play one one day. <laughs>
1: we, should live
0: we should live stream Monopoly, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it would go six hours.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll wrap it up today. That's at 30 minutes uh right now. So uh thanks everybody for tuning in and watching. Uh we got Shane on here. And uh, let us know what you think. If you have any questions or comments, uh, hit us below. And uh, we'll we'll check in with you guys next week.
2: Thanks for tuning in. You got it. See you guys. Thank you.